1 Peter chapter 3. And again, Peter deals much with the suffering of Christ. Um, and there are other texts, and I believe there's probably some texts in here uh, about entering into his suffering um, as a child of God and him being our example, as we've read in chapter 2 here recently, uh, and about taking our suffering, the suffering that we get wrongfully just for simply being a Christian. And, uh, and it's rehearsed here in our next portion of Scripture in chapter 3. Uh, it's rehearsed again. So uh, like the teachers that, uh, you know, and any time that uh, a, a, a subject was presented in more, more than once, that's pretty, probably pretty important to us to get a hold of, which is the reason things are done repetitiously through our 12 years of grade school, high school, and... Uh, is to get, for us to get a hold of it. And, uh, but again, you know, as we look into uh, the picture, not only here in this chapter and in, in this portion of this chapter, but throughout many other uh, verses and many other texts of Scripture, uh, God through His, in His wisdom and in His Word, and through his, in His wisdom through His Word, allows us to peer into and to see, just like Isaiah and other texts, to see the sufferings of Christ and get a hold of all that he suffered for us or suffered on the behalf of us and because of us, as was presented this morning in that uh, our sins nailed him to the cross. And... uh, he said, well, we wasn't born yet. <laughs> we knew that we would be. And, uh, and we, we are born into humanity, and it was humanity that he died for. And, uh, and what a blessing it is. I, that song, um, Victory in Jesus, I believe we sang it last week. Uh, Brother Hall pointed out one time because, you know, uh, he sought me and he bought me. Well, that was the Old Testament saints. <laughs> Uh, he sought them first, and he, and you know through this, and he he wound up coming later on as prophecy fulfilled, and he bought them with us. He bought us because <laughs> we wasn't even born yet. He bought us first, and then he sought us. So we could actually turn that around in that song. He bought us, and then he sought us because uh, you know he he bought us first. He suffered for us first, uh, and then we were born, and then in his mercy. We were presented with the gospel, and we come to him by faith in him. And so he, he, he bought us, and then through the Holy Spirit of God, he sought us. <laughs> and what a blessing that that is. All right, so we're going to pick up our reading here. We had made our, our way down uh, through uh, after the husbands. In verse number 8, we will rehearse it there. Uh, Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. Not rendering evil for evil, nor or railing for railing, but contrawise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. 
For he that will love life and see good days, so if you want to love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. So seek peace and ensue it. Watch our tongue and watch our lips. And then where we left off last time, I believe, is for the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. He's watching, he's listening, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Uh, you know, um, he's, he's against them. And we, we look at this, this world, and we are a part of this country, and, and our leadership is not doing right. And we, you know, as we, we have, you know, the rain falls upon the just and the unjust, and as God's judgment on a nation would fall, it may fall, you know, we, we, may, uh, uh, we may experience a little bit of it as the righteous of, of God because he, he is against those, against them that do evil. You know, and this whole thing, and it's just talking points, and people listen, they don't, they hear people instead of getting the bill you know, the thing that was released from the Supreme Court, uh, if people would just read it, it doesn't say that they're going to do away with it. It just says they're going to put it back on the states. And in doing it back, right, but that, just, that doesn't follow their, that, so they, crea- they created a narrative, and that's the drum beat that's in the news today. Uh, they're, they're creating a drum beat that says that, uh, that the abortion rights are going to be totally done away with, Roe versus Wade going to be totally reversed, and then they're going on with a whole bunch of other lies, you know, into uh, gay marriage and into uh, a lot of the other stuff along those lines. Say even the words from the pulpit. But uh, it puts it back on the states. So if you want an abortion, live in California and New York. If you don't want abortion, live in Oklahoma. <laughs> Texas, and and uh, basically, from what I understand, the opinion was uh, it was it wasn't the Supreme Court uh, under the national level to have done anything with it in the first place. It should have been left onto the states. And God forbid that the people of the state get to choose and get to vote and get to voice their opinion with their state legislator legislature to. Uh, to govern how they want to be represented. And again, a conservative state like Oklahoma will be representative conservatively. That's just a natural cause, a natural way. I'm getting off on all this. It's just aggravating. Just because of the evil, I guess, that's out there. And then those that want to be in the liberal state, you got a liberal mindset, then go live in a liberal state. Pay 80% of your taxes. That's fine. If you want to live that way, fine. but he's against them that do evil. And again, putting it back into where it's supposed to go, who is he writing to? Okay, so he's writing to the elect. And and, 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 and that, you know, I guess that we could do evil, and if we did evil as the elect, then he would be against us. But he's for those. His eyes are over the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. When we do evil as a righteous person, he's not going to hear us. 
he'll hear the prayer of repentance, but he's not going to hear anything else. You know, I mean, I, and like the one woman that I, I spoke to at the yard sale up there uh, in the old subdivision, uh, apparently they don't have a vehicle. I've seen them walk places, and both of them are in Hill Health. And, you know, she was raised up in a church that believes you can lose your salvation. Of course, that for a while they attended up there at Soldier Creek, um, even though she wasn't a Baptist, but they went there for a while. And she asked me about that when I was there at her yard sale <clears throat> buying some tomato sticks. You know, I said, look, I've got seven children. And I said, and you've heard this before, and I said, if my child does wrong and sins against me, or sins against society and finds himself incarcerated, they're still my child. There's nothing that can undo that relationship. They're bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, born out of my loins and have my genes in them. There's nothing that can not make them a bail. So the relationship is there, but the fellowship would be broken. And the same with the Heavenly Father. When we do wrong... As a child of God, the relationship's there. You're born again. You have, you have obtained everlasting life, eternal life. How long does everlasting last? How long does eternal life last? So the relationship is there, but the fellowship might not be. You do wrong. He's against those that do evil. And then there's texts of Scripture and Paul's writings where... There are some that are taken out ahead of time. There are some that bring shame to the cause of Christ, and God will remove them, will remove their candlestick. So, are they saved? Yes. Are they in heaven? Yes. But are they probably going to be standing in a pile of ashes? <laughs> yes. So he's against them that do evil. Verse number 13, And who is he that will harm you if ye be followers of that which is good? Again, going back to verse number 12, For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. Who is he that will harm you if ye be followers of, of that which is good? And we, we dealt with the scripture, If God be for us, who can be against us? In Romans chapter 12, we rehearsed that too. You know, who can harm you? We, you know, again, the wrestlings of the flesh. We look at, uh, you know, we hear it in the flesh uh, as far as uh, the fear. We're going to see the fear here in a little bit. And we're troubled and we hear the fears coming. But again, we are to live by faith. We just sang the song. Living by faith in Jesus above. You know, and fear overcomes faith. And fear should overcome faith. I mean, faith should overcome fear. <laughs> I get it all backwards. I don't want to do that. And to live by faith in the fears of the flesh, the faith should say, and we're going to see a little bit more of that in our text tonight, faith should say, oh, step back, fears. Who are you the child of? Did you, do you remember reading in First 
Uh, Peter 3, 13, And who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? Are you following after your righteousness? Are you following after that which is good? Are you, are you seeking the Lord? Are you seeking his will? Are you in his will? Are you living by faith? When we question ourselves, that, that, you know, the part of ourselves that, that wants to fear, and we say, you know, the faith steps in and says, do you hear yourself? <laughs> Nobody else in here talks to themselves, do they, like I do? So many times, you know, this thought will come up in my mind, and it'll be, oh, not as much as others, but it'll be, what are we going to do if this happens? What are we going to do if that happens? What are we going to do if, what are we going to, if, 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 if? Told Lisa, I said, look, just wait till it happens. <laughs> and then deal with it. And if it don't happen, you don't have to deal with it. But still, there's times that my mind will go this way. And say, so well, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. But then my, but the other side of me say, that for whose child are you but and if you suffer for righteousness sake so we see that suffering for righteousness sake again as we did there in chapter 2 servants be subject to your masters with all fear not only to the good and gentle but also to the froward for this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief Suffer, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently. But if, when ye do well and suffer for it, ye shall take it patiently. This is acceptable to God. But, and if, verse 14 of chapter 3, but, and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and neither be afraid of their terror. Neither be troubled, semicolon, <laughs> sentence goes on, but sanctify the Lord. Now, wait a minute. How do we sanctify the Lord? All right. But sanctify the Lord in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. And here's an alliterated, it just popped out. I, I, we're going to look at the conscious, conscience and the uh, conversation again. We've dealt with the conversation before. But here, even in, in our reading tonight, I couldn't help but to notice, uh, verse number 8, we see the compassion there. And we see the courteous, uh, courteous in verse number 8 as well. And uh, then the conscious and so on and so forth. But anyway, but so if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye. Again, this is a mindset that we mature into. Like I pointed out there, that Brother, Brother Hall mentioned in Matthew chapter 5, when you get down to that place where we are happy and how does it put it here 
when we get down to blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven so persecuted they the prophets which were before you so this is nothing new under the sun they persecuted the prophets they're going to persecute you. They're going to bring up false things against you. And it says, bless, you're going to receive. Theirs is the kingdom of, of heaven, verse number 10. But then also, uh, it says, you're blessed when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all, and say all manner of evil against you falsely for his sake. We're to rejoice. Here it says, but if ye suffer and for righteousness, sake, happy are ye. That's right, rejoicing, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. We know that Christ suffered falsely. They had the false accusers come up, and he was crucified because of it. And they're going to do us the same way. We see all uh, several passages of Scripture. Uh, let's see, here's another one. Romans 8. We, you know, and I've pointed out that we're so happy to, to recall the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer. It, we want to stop right there. <laughs> Woo, I'm an heir of God. I'm a joint heir of Jesus Christ. But we don't want to go on, if so be. Wait a minute. If so be that we suffer with him that we may also be glorified together, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. So they're sufferings. They're going to stand and accuse us. Get your religion out of my... Fill in the blank. Some of you have seen it recently on signs. You know, and... What have we done to them? Oh, you know, you put the Bible in our faces and you tell us that abortion's wrong. Don't you know it's a right? And again, this is all drummed up and it's got everybody stirred up again. Everybody's marching again. And it does absolutely nothing. They stir these things up and they pull these things out to stir things up to get your mind and your eyes off of what's really going on. And they're going to speak evil against us, and they're going to they're going to they're going to falsely accuse us. It says, but then verse fifteen, but sanctify the Lord. And I looked up sanctify the the of the eight definitions in the Webster sixteen uh, eighteen twenty six eighteen whatever dictionary eighteen whatever Webster's dictionary the old one that uses scripture in there is to secure from violation. And then he uses it in a sentence, to sanctify God, to praise and celebrate him as a holy being, to acknowledge and honor his holy majesty, and to reverence his character and laws. So for us to sanctify him, and there was another one talking about setting apart uh, and making, you know, to set apart and to make, to make holy, but God is holy. 
and for us to sanctify him, verse number 15, but sanctify the Lord in your hearts and within yourselves when the suffering comes for righteousness sake. When you do right and people point their finger at you, when you do right and people falsely accuse you, when you do right and people take your righteousness and you're doing right and they'll twist it around and, and throw it in your face and say that you're wrong and they'll persecute you. When that happens, again, the sentence is there, a single sentence, three verses. When that happens, be happy. When that happens, sanctify God, the Lord God in your hearts. So in other words, acknowledge and honor His holy majesty within yourselves. Reverence His character and His laws. And by doing so, then it says, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of hope that is in you with meekness and fear. And again, fear should go back to rightly representing God in His laws and in His doctrine. And then, you know, asking God, as He, he, he told uh, some of the disciples there, that He would help them to give an answer whenever they stood. And He would give them what to say when the time to say it was. Trusting in Him. And then having a good conscience. Again, the sentence continues. Here it is. And I looked up that, you know, conscience here. An internal or self-knowledge or judgment of right and wrong or the faculty, power, or principle within us which decides on the lawful. So if you've got a good conscience, Mr. Henry, Matthew Henry says, the most conscientious persons cannot escape the censures and slanders of evil men. They will speak evil of them as of evildoers and charge them with crimes which their very souls abhor. A good conscience and a good conversation are the best means to secure a good name. These give a solid reputation and a lasting one. And then uh, I, there's, four, there's two, three more here, but I'm going to False accusation generally turns to, to the accuser's shame by discovering the la- at last the accuser's indiscretion, injustice, falsehood, and uncharitableness. Look, you shouldn't be shaken if you've got a good conscience toward God. If you within yourself, this internal or self-knowledge that you've not done anything wrong, you know beyond a shadow of... You do that examination, you say, okay... Am I wrong in this? When they throw a false accusation at you, you just step back and examine. And if you've got a good conscience and you're doing things according to the Scriptures and you're right where you ought to be in the will of God, doing doing the things of God, and you're not going anything contrary to Him and to His law and to His Word and you've got a good conscience, then you can stand in that. You know that they're falsely accusing you, so just stand. When, and this happened in my two and a half years here. When people have slandered me. When people has 
falsely accuse me and many of you, by the way. <laughs> and then you hear it, you kind of step back and say, no, I'm right. I've got a good conscience that I am where I'm supposed to be, preaching what I'm supposed to be preaching, and not contrary to anything to the Word of God. So you falsely accuse me all you want to, slander me all you want to. It's not going to waver me any. It's not going to cause me to be shaken. It's, not, it's just going to cause me just to stand because I've got a good conscience within myself, a self-examination against the Word of God, then I'm where I'm supposed to be. And then what happens in time, like Mr. Henry points out, the false accusation generally will turn against the accuser. Because they'll realize as time goes on, the old adage that time will tell and time does tell, Time will tell a couple of things. <laughs> time will tell the one that's being false, the false accusations are against that it's not true. And they'll continue going right on down the road. And the one that's doing the false accuser, most of the time that they'll go off the road. They'll crash and burn somewhere down the road. My two sons, my two oldest sons, the one that's not living right. But when they were mid-teenagers, I guess time frame there, early teenagers, something like long, 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 I, I can take you, I was standing in their bedroom. And it was one of those conversations that we was having of, Dad, so-and-so and so-and-so down at the church house are able to do this. Or they've done that. You know, why can't we... Go in that direction kind of sort of thing. Or, or maybe that they actually kicked out. I think that's what it was. Is that we had a family of tares that moved into Island Ford. And by and by, they got plucked up and went down the road. But when they went down the road, they pulled some of the tender wheat with it. And my, my children were friends, both of the tares and the wheat's children. And the tares, you know, they, my children didn't understand all that was going on there. And they wanted to see the best in the tares, and they didn't quite see it. And I said, well, I said, just watch them. So they're doing things that we're not allowed you to do. And I said, just watch their lives. When they get out from underneath the church... And they get out of the will of God, and they get out from under the preaching, and they go contrary to preaching, of the, uh, uh, contrary to the preaching of the Word of God. They go contrary to the Word of God. Watch their lives. It might not happen next Friday, but it's going to happen. Their lives will wind up shipwreck. And I know you don't see it now, but those with some discernment does see it and knows what their end is going to be. Those with that good conscience sake. Those with a strong conscience that, look, I am right. I am following the precepts. I'm in God's will where I ought to be. And I've got a good conscience. So go ahead, falsely accuse me. Go ahead, slander me. I'm good. Time will tell. Time will prove me right and you wrong. And that's what happens generally. 
Is it rough? Yes. Is it rough on that weaker vessel that lives with you? Yes. Many times do they attack the weaker vessel because they know that attacking you is not going to get anywhere? Yes. The wife and the children will be attacked. I know it's kind of a running, you know, people make a lot of jokes about the preacher's kids and the deacon's kids. <laughs> and most of the time they're the biggest hellions out there. But at the same time, that's who they attack. Whether they're disobedient children or not, whether they're not, you know, bad children or not, they will falsely accuse. They'll point out the slightest little flaw. You know, their Johnny or Susie is, the, is, you know, I mean, they've got wings and a halo, you'd think. You hear them talk, but they're the meanest little boy or girl that's in the church. But when they're going to flip it around, they're going to attack the preacher's kid. They're going to attack the good kids in the church because they know that they can. But when they do, be happy. And have that good conscience. Having a good conscience, whereas they speak evil of you as evildoers. Here's the end of it. They may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. Eventually, shame's going to come to them because it's not going to prove out. Because one, the conscious, your conscious on the on the inside will help keep you going in the right direction. But your conversation will expose everything to the outside that everybody's watching that you are going in the right direction. So if Brother Chris whispers in your ear, oh, Brother Bill, he's in here. Okay, and you say, oh. So what does that do to you? The, fa- the false accuser now has put it in your ear, and I'm just using that as an example. You know better. He puts it in your ear, so now that's planted a seed. So all of a sudden now, when you wasn't paying attention to Brother Bell, based on what was told to you, now you're going to focus on Brother Bell. Now the false accuser has planted a seed in your ear, and, and all of a sudden, now, does it affect Brother Bell? No, because i got a good conscience. I know I'm not guilty. But all of a sudden, now that you've got that seed planted in your ear, you've now turned your attention to me because of that false accuser. So now you're looking at me, or whoever the false accusation is against, you're looking at them with a magnifying glass now. Microscope. You're really watching them. And you know what's going what's to what's prove them wrong? My conversation. The conversation of the ones that's been caught falsely used. And then eventually, they're going to come to you again and they're going to try to whisper in your ear and say, Wait a minute. Wait just a minute. You told me this about that person last time. You know, I've been watching them and you're wrong. You are wrong about them because, hey, they're living right. right. I mean, they're... They're, they're not doing what you said they're doing, or they're not living the way you said they're living. So then they have to go find somebody else's ear to pull on. Yes, sir. 
So what happens is the conversation is internally, look, I'm li- I, am, I am good. Go ahead, false accuse all you want to. I am not guilty. But that goes back to that righteous part. Let we, we are to eschew evil and do good and seek peace and ensue it. And we are to realize that the eyes of the Lord upon us but know that his ears are, are, are available to us too. or His ears are open to our prayers. And we can go to him when we're being attacked. And we can take that to the Lord and leave it there. We sing that song. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. Leave it there, leave it there. So many times we take our burden and we lay it down and pick it up again. Just leave it. Just say, look, I am where I'm supposed to be with you. Pray for them. The Bible tells us to pray for them that persecute us. Pray for them. Pray that God would open the eyes of those that's listening to their accusations. Live right. Have that good conversation with your brethren. And what we talked about the last time that we were in this passage, that we were here uh, in our study when I... Whenever I dealt with and uh, turned over to, to Romans 12 there, recompense no, recompense no man evil for evil, provide things honest in the sight of all men. There's your conversation. And if you'll live honest in front of all men, that dispels all the false accusations. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves. Well, he has been speaking, you know. He went down and he, you know, it's got back around to me that. Does your, is your conscience telling on you or are you good? If you got a good conscience, it ain't going to bother you at all. Now, if you're wrong, <laughs> there may, if there's some truth to what they're saying about you, you may have to get right about it. But if there's no truth about what they're saying about you, you, you don't even have to take a half of a baby aspirin and go to sleep. <laughs> you can just pillow your head each night with a good conscience and a good, a good, a good uh, relationship with the Father. Talk to Him at the end of the day and just go to sleep with no worries. Just close your eyes. You know, just trust Him. Dear love, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place into wrath. But rather give place into wrath, for it is written, "Vengeance is mine; I will repay," saith the Lord. He, his eyes are upon the righteous; he's open to our prayers. But the Lord is against them to do evil. He's against that false accuser. <laughs> he is. And and Romans tells us, look, vengeance is his; he'll he'll repay. I'll just let my father take care of this. My brother Hall tells, tells a story that he's being bullied on the school bus. And uh, I don't know, he was upper fifth, sixth grade, something like that. And his older brother, I think, was in junior high. Word got around that Brother Hall was being picked on by these bigger boys and stuff like that. It was Ernie, I think, he said. Anyway, said... So Brother Hall, or Brother Hall's brother said, I'll, take, I'll, I'll help you, I'll take care of it. And he just, when Ernie got off the bus that day, I think it was Ernie, Ernie got off the bus that day, he just went like this right here. 
<laughs> just stepped to the side. And when that bully got off the bus, he just tapped him on the shoulder and <laughs> planted one right on his nose. And Brother Hall, he talked about it. He said, my big brother took care of it. You know, we've got a big brother, and that's Jesus Christ. We've got a heavenly father. Look, just, just leave it to him. He's got ways of touching people. He knows where they're the most tender. He knows where their barley field is. When they wanted to call Joab, Joab didn't come. Call Joab, Joab didn't come. Call Joab, Joab didn't Go set Joab's barley fields on fire. <laughs> Why did you set my fields on fire? If you had to come the first time when I called you, I wouldn't have to do that. I got, I got your attention. God knows how to get their attention. He knows where their barley field is. He knows how to touch them. Just leave it to him. And then when you see him again, verse number 20, or, uh, verse number 20, therefore if thine, en- if thine enemy hunger, feed him. <laughs> if he thirst, give him drink. For in doing so thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil. But overcome evil with good. Comparing scripture to scripture. Two different writers wrote that. Same theme, same, same passion, I mean, same principles here in the Word of God under Paul's writing and under Peter's writing. Having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your conversation in Christ. It'll bear out. It will bear out. You've got to have patience. Long-suffering, a little bit of grace, <laughs> a lot of grace sometimes. Just to say, I'm good. But again, that's where, you know, that constant examination of yourself. Am I right? Is anything that you're saying against me? Is there, any, is there any truth to anything that they're saying against me? If there is, you may have to get right. But if there's not, you're good to go. And it will, be bo- it will be borne out in your conversation, how you live, how you carry yourself, feed them, water them, be good to them. And just let God handle it. Is it easier said than done? Yes, it is easier said than done. But this is the principles that God's given us here. Verse number 17, For it is better if the will of God be so that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. If you're going to suffer, it's better to suffer doing right than doing wrong. And then he goes into Christ's sufferings. Let me read you these other, other, other points that Mr. Henry pointed out. It is sometimes the will of God that good people should suffer for well-doing, for their honesty and for their faith. And then he says, As well-doing sometimes exposes a good man to suffering, so evil-doing will not exempt an evil man from it. The apostle supposes here that a man may suffer for both if the sufferings of good people for well-doing be so severe what will the sufferings of wicked people be for evildoing? 
It is a sad condition which that person is in upon whom sin and suffering meet together at the same time. Sin makes suffering to be extreme, unprofitable, comfortless, and destructive. So if you're going to suffer, suffer for doing right. I mean, uh, just like Daniel. He's a good example of that. They tried to come up with something against Daniel. And they looked at him. And they said, well, we can't find anything that we can accuse Daniel of. He goes up and he prays three times a day. He, 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 he's, he's honest. He, he, he carries himself well. He's wise. He's able to interpret dreams. How, how can we trip him up? Wait, did you say he prayed three times a day? Yeah, he prays three times a day. Faithfully. I mean, clock, clockwork. I got an idea. <laughs> hey, king. Will you make a law that says anybody that gives obeisance to anybody but you is punishable by death? Oh, that sounds pretty good. Put my stamp on that. <laughs> oh, Daniel. Hey, king, Daniel's praying. What? Is what your law said. What law? The one that you just made? I love Daniel. Daniel, I hate to do this, but you're going to have to be cast in the lion's den. Den of lions. I'd be cast in the den of lions. Daniel said, okay. He cast him in the den of lions. Lord shut up the mouth of the den of lions. And the king was troubled all night long. I'm paraphrasing all this, as you can tell. All night long, oh, I wish I had to guess Daniel tonight. He didn't do nothing wrong. He's got a good conversation. Daniel had a good conscience. It didn't bother Daniel's conscience whatsoever. He knew that he was doing right. He looked. It's better obey God than man. The Bible tells us right in Romans. Acts, Acts. So he was obeying God rather than man. He went and was going to pray anyway. Because that's what God wanted. So he had a good conscience when he jumped in there with the lions. The angel shut up the mouth of the lions. The king was troubled all night long. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And he goes and he uncovers it. Oh, Daniel. And he says, yes, O king. <laughs> and so he pulled up Daniel with that good conscience that kept him alive all night long. And that good conversation that kept him going right. And guess what happened to them false accusers? All of them and their families. And the lions ate them up. So there's a perfect example in the Word of God of a good conscience and a good conversation that kept him going right. He suffered for, for good sake. And it can happen. And it should better to be suffered for, for good than for evil. For well-doing than for evil-doing. And in verse 18, I'll just read this and we, we'll go back probably. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. By which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometime were disobedient. Wait a minute, the spirits in prison that sometime were disobedient. Not all the time, but sometime. Who was in there, David? Was he disobedient sometime? 
Sad to say he was. Noah, was he disobedient sometime? Well, he did get drunk. And all those Old Testament saints that sometime were disobedient. He preached to them. When once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a-preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. And again, we'll deal with this next time as we get a little bit further in there, explanation-wise. Uh, of course, the, old, the Church of Christ, them Campbellites, they want to run to this verse. Woo! They were saved by water. But they don't keep reading. <laughs> They'll debate this first. Yeah, they were saved by water. They got on that ark. Boy, that's a picture of baptism. Baptism saves you. No, it don't. Because guess what? There's a the like figure. There's key words right there. It's a figure. A picture. The light figure whereunto even baptism doth uh, also now save. And then that parenthetical statement there. Little little further explanation. Not putting away the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a here there's word again, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. Amen. Look, folks that are saved, there's a natural inclination within them to want to be baptized. That's the next step. It's an answer to the good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, let's just read it without the parenthetical statement. The like figure, even baptism, doth also now save us by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. And we'll, we'll break that down a little bit the next time. But that conscience, and I, I, I found help right there. Just And again, Daniel is a perfect example of that. Look, he didn't waver. He did not waver at all. He knew he was doing right, following God's principles, by praying toward Jerusalem three times a day. And by just living, living right, living a righteous life, having that good conversation. And when he was falsely accused, it didn't waver him one bit. He didn't keep his windows closed the next time he went to pray. Nope. As he had always done, he went and opened the windows and prayed. He didn't try to hide. Well, now we got this law here. I can't be seen. I'll just go here, go in my closet. I'm still praying. Nope. His conversation was steadfast. And he had a good conscience. So false, falsely accused him. And God vindicated him. That goes back to the Romans chapter 12. Vengeance is mine. God vindicated him. God saved him from the, the mouths of the lions and took all those accusers and killed them and their families. Before they hit the floor, hungry beast tore him up. And he'll do that to your false accusers. It might not be Friday, but their payday is coming. Their payday is coming. And people have gone out, and you can watch people's lives that just, 
that just get out of church, get out of the right kind of church, and they'll go down the road. They'll go down the road for work's sake, for money's sake, for whatever's sake. You just watch them. Word gets back to you, and their lives, their children and their grandchildren, they just go to destruction. If they'd have stayed in the house of God, stayed under the precepts of God, followed the precepts, followed that good conversation, according to the word of God, then their lives would be in a whole lot different place than they currently are. You can watch them. And many of you could put names to that conversation right there. Oh, yeah. They went out from us, and look where they are now. They went out from us because they were not of us. Or maybe they were of us, and they just got twisted up. They got led away, led astray. Either way, their lives are a mess. And you can look back and you can see where when they were here, they were seemingly blessed. But then when they left, to look at them now, you say, oh my, what have they got to show for it? Did they leave for money? What have they got to show for it? Did they leave for their children, you know, their children's education? Did they leave for their children's betterment? Did they leave for, you know, the church down the road's got this for them, the church's gone. Did they, did they leave for the right reason? They put their children in that, gone, away from God. Sad to say. All right, let's be this word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you and praise you, Lord, for the many blessings you bestow upon us. Lord, I found some help tonight in the scriptures. Help us, Lord, to examine ourselves. Lord, to to look within us and, Lord, make sure that we're walking right according to thy precepts. To hide the word of God in our lives, Lord, that we might not sin against thee. I ask and pray as we go out into this world. As we interact and interact with those around, those that are without, and uh, Lord, they look at us and they uh, they want to bring us down and want to bring us down with false accusations. I pray, Lord, that we'll remember the Scripture, that we'll rejoice when that happens, having a good conscience, and Lord, help our conversation to bear out their falsities and their falsehoods and their slander against us. Pray, Lord, that you help us remember the scripture in Romans 12. And Lord, when they uh, come with us with evil, Lord, help us to overcome them with good. Lord, give us the grace. I know it takes a lot of grace. Give us the grace to, to be able to do that uh, when the times come in our lives uh, that we're faced with that. I ask and pray these things, realizing that I will be done. And I ask and I send Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. Amen. All right. I'm not going to have a song of invitation unless anybody needs it. If you need it, we'll pray. If not, then we'll be dismissed with that prayer.